Welcome to the Home Inspector Marketing Podcast. Because you're a home inspector looking to increase your sales, improve your cash flow, and boost your bottom line, you are in the right place. For additional training resources on how you can grow your home inspection business, go to microreturns.com right now. And now, here's the podcast. Hi, this is Mike Crow, and I run a home inspection business. In fact, I've run a couple of home inspection businesses. The true joy for me, though, has been helping literally thousands of home inspectors build really solid home inspection businesses as well. We can help a single man operation be able to do over $300,000 a year, maybe all the way up to $400,000 a year as a single inspector operation. Even better for me is the 80 plus companies that we have helped be able to build million dollar home inspection businesses. I would like to help you be able to do the same thing. Well, here we are again, uh, and uh, we are going to talk about uh, chapter five in the book, uh, The E-Myth. That's the book uh, version that I've worked with, uh, the book version that you'll get from us if you're working with us, or if you want to go order it off of uh, uh, Barnes & Nobles or Amazon or, or probably in the stores if you want to go just go pick it up. It's called The E-Myth Revisited. The book has been around. It is literally the cornerstone of so many successful businesses nowadays. One of the reasons I send people the book is because it, it shortens my uh, coaching frame. Uh, so people go, oh, I read the book and I realize I'm the problem. <laughs> yes, you are. Okay. Aren't we all? Okay. Uh, and by the way, sometimes, uh, especially when I was growing the business, I realized I was the problem and I needed to fix certain things. In the last uh, segment, we talked about systems and people and resources, uh, and you have to build the right systems. In chapter five, one of the things it talks about is that you've built a business that is now driving you a little bit crazy, all right? And at this point, you've, you've, you've kind of got a comfort zone of, of what you're doing every day, but it isn't really what you want to be doing. So you have three choices. You have three incredibly important choices, all right? Uh, so as it says here, uh, the technician's boundary is determined by how, how much he can do himself. So keep in mind, we've got the technician, we've got the manager, we've got the entrepreneur, all right? So all three of those parts, all right? So as you've learned, you have to go back and you have to become a manager a little bit. In other words, you have to become a boss, okay? Heaven help us, all right? Uh, so the technician's boundary is determined by how much he can do himself. How, much, how many inspections can you do? How many hours can you work, all right? And then the manager is defined by how many technicians he can supervise effectively or how many subordinate managers he can organize into a productive effort. A lot of big words as far as I'm concerned. So in other words, how many people can you manage? So the technician, how much work can you do? The manager is how many people can you manage? And then the entrepreneur's boundary is a function of how many managers you can engage in the pursuit of your vision. Notice I didn't say manage them, okay? How many managers can you engage in the pursuit of your vision? And I will tell you that's where I succeed. And I will also tell you that when we started this business, um, I was the manager, my dad was the entrepreneur, uh, and we both taught ourselves to be the technicians. This is the reason our business succeeded beyond um, every imagination uh, in the industry and continues to do so today. Because I realized the technician is as important as it is, isn't 
probably the most important thing to growing, let's say, uh, a very successful business or a million-dollar business, all right? Um, and our business, by the way, now is doing well over $2 million every single year, all right? And so there's a lot of different things. But the last part of it is, is that even I had to shift at a certain point because as my dad uh, uh moved out of the business, retired, whatever you want to say. Um, I still see him like every Friday because of uh, uh, a lot of time that I have and and we work on that. But my dad was the entrepreneur. I was the manager. I realized I had to become the entrepreneur. And as you go through phases, you probably start out as the technician. Then you realize you need to be the manager. And then at some point you realize you have to be the entrepreneur. Now, here's the secret. You have to be all three at any given time at least for a while while you're growing the business. I haven't been a home inspector in over 10 plus years. I do go out on one every now and then just to remind myself uh, different technical parts. I attend the inspector meeting on a regular basis to kind of see how that's going uh, in the technical parts. And so there's a lot of that. So as the business grows beyond your comfort zone of what you've been able to do, um, you you run into kind of a, a tailspin uh, effect, all right? And there are only three courses of action that can be taken. Okay. Only three ways the business can go from there. It can either return to infancy, where it becomes basically a single man operation, okay? Or it can go for broke and just try to do go as far as it can, as fast as it can. Or it can just kind of hang on for dear life. So let's go through those three parts. So let's say, you know what, you've got three inspectors and and you've got a person answering the phones and everything's just a nightmare. And every day you're having to answer questions and go through this and, and, and aggravate yourself. And I will tell you, I understand. Been there. Done that. All right. Thank goodness for mobile phones or cell phones or whatever you want to call them, because I could not have survived that phase of the business had it not been for that. But I see a lot of people get to that point and about the time they hire the fourth inspector, the fifth inspector. Um, and uh, and these were incredible people, people I looked up to, icons in the industry. They would walk in one day and fire everybody. And I went, What? Yep, I just got tired of everybody getting it wrong and 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 so many problems. And I just went in one day and I just I just told everybody, sorry guys, I'm um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna live my life this way, uh, and I'm not gonna be responsible for your mistakes. Uh, and so uh, 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 we are shutting that business down, and I'm going back to a single man operation. And I'm gonna tell you, I understood why they did it, but in the same heartbeat, I felt sorry for him. Because I was building a business beyond that. And I wondered, am I going to go through that? Am I, am I going to just walk in one day and let everybody go? And so some people do that. So they get small again. And if you can't control the chaos the way they look at it, get rid of it. Okay? In fact, uh, I will tell you that uh, I've had people tell me those sort of things as I was growing the business. Are you ready just to shoot this dog? Okay? Um, that was one of my dad's favorite sayings uh, because the chaos was so great. Thank goodness I have the managerial ability at that point to overcome a, a lot of that. Uh, my dad, as great as he is as an entrepreneur, was not a manager. He did some things really great, uh, but managing was my strong point. Being an entrepreneur was his. He could see the future, which I now have the ability to do, but he could see the future, but he, he had a hard time uh, seeing how to get people to do it. That was where the manager came in. Okay. So in short, uh, go back to the time when the business was simple, go back to infancy. Okay. Um, and so what happens though, is 
there's a point, and I, I see this happen to guys so much, and it talks about it uh, in the book here. And the point is that one day you wake up and you realize things aren't going the way you want them to when you make that choice, okay? And it could be six weeks. It could be six years. Uh, it could be 20 years. But you wake up and you realize that you don't like your life. Now, hopefully, you saved a lot of money and you put some things away uh, because if anything happens to you, the business stops. The revenue stops. And so growing a small business, uh, being a single-man operation is bad. I'm going to read this one segment to you. One morning, it could be six weeks or six years following the day, you got small again. And then the inevitable will happen. You wake up in bed and your spouse turns to you. Hopefully you still have a spouse, okay? And says, what's wrong? You're not looking so good. I'm not feeling too good either, you say. And then, well, do you want to talk about it? Uh, And you just say, well, it's simple. I don't want to go to work anymore. And your spouse says, well, but if you don't, who will? And then all of a sudden you're struck with the reality of your condition. You realize something you've avoided all of these years, you come faced with the unavoidable truth. You don't own a business. You own a job. And even people that go buy franchises, over 90% of people buy franchises still stay a single man operation. And what they're doing, believe it or not, is they've gone and bought themselves a job. Now, there are some successful franchises that have become million dollar operations because they built a real business. I will tell you it's harder um, if you're a franchise because you're sending a huge percent of your revenue off to somebody, okay? Hopefully, uh, you can overcome that, and there are a couple ways to overcome it, all right? So the, the last thing here is you can't leave when you want to because as soon as you leave, well, there's nobody to do the work. You can't sell it when you want to. You can't sell it because who would want to buy a job? Okay. I mean, I can go, I can go create a job. I don't have to buy one. All right. And so it's at that point that a lot of times I see people go into despair and cynicism. All right. So, and if there ever was a dream for your business, it kind of goes away. And I see this especially, and by the way, this can be fixed. We're coaching some people that are 60, 65, 70 years old, and they realize they didn't do it right, but they realize they, they want to fix it, and, and they're, they're working on it. Now, fortunately, I did it early on, and I've watched people in their 40s and their 50s and their 60s still fix this. But what they realize is that that dream's gone, okay? And you stop caring when the dream's gone. The only thing left is work, and you get up, and you go to work, and then you come home, okay? It's pretty easy because you've done it for so long, but it's still there, and it's the day-to-day grind of just earning a paycheck, Okay. And finally, finally, and I see this and I think it breaks my heart a little bit is that you close the doors and the business, your job goes away. All right. So that's one way to handle this over overbearingness that you had from your business going into adolescence. And by the way, I think it's great that they called it adolescence because it's like the teenage years. Okay. And if you've raised kids, trust me, The teenage years are the toughest. Now, all of my kids are grown uh, and they've got educations and they're out and they're doing great stuff. And I I am a very blessed man. 
All of my children are mature now, okay? Some days I wish they'd be a little more mature, but all of my children are mature and doing some great things. So the second thing that you can do is go for broke, okay? Another alternative, as it says here, is just keep growing faster and faster until it either self-destructs or uh, maybe somehow it straightens itself out. Almost always, if you don't know what you're doing, it self-destructs because of the momentum. Have you ever seen anything going around and around and around, and you know at some point all the parts are going to fly off because it's just going too fast? Well, your business hits that point when you're going for broke if you don't fix it. So if you're focused on the wrong end of the business, and this is important, hear this. If you're concentrating on the commodity that the business makes or the service the business does, rather than the business itself, it will implode. It will fall apart. It will fly apart, whatever you want to say, okay? So going for broke businesses are kind of a sign of our time, and we see them all over the place where people are going for broke, and they're doing all the things that they need to do. And honestly, they're working themselves just incredibly uh, to death over a lot of different things. So, um, And we saw it in the high-tech uh, phenomenon where all this high-tech was out there and all this stuff, and there are businesses out there that are still going for broke, that are just incredibly big machines, but they still never really made uh, hardly any profit, if any profit at all, okay? So going for broke is kind of like the equivalent of Russian roulette. And oftentimes people are playing it and they don't even know the gun is loaded. And all of a sudden one day, boom, something happens. Me and my dad used to call it the silver bullet, you know? Uh, And we used to say, especially with our inspection service, the further we can get away from the explosion, the better. But in our world, you know, we can be two years away from an inspection and still have it come back and haunt us. And I've seen some people seven years away from an inspection and still have it come back and haunt them. Now, there's some ways to help mitigate that with insurance and, and other stuff like that. And there's some great insurance programs in our industry now uh, to help you be able to do that. But a lot of times people are doing it and they're just going for broke. And then one day something goes wrong. In, in the last several years of my coaching program, we, I saw this happen. There was a gentleman, he was going for broken, but he was doing it right, and he was building the systems and put everything in place, and then cancer hit, and everything crashed and burned. There was one gentleman um, that was doing a great job, and then he was walking backwards, and he fell into uh, one of those basement window pits, okay? Broke his back, and then died in the hospital. Both of those businesses were going for broke, and they would have made it because they were following the systems and everything, but they really needed to start 10 years earlier. One of my biggest challenges is when somebody joins us, as they, and I hear this all the time, and it doesn't bother me. I just It's just a realization I want to make sure you have. And they go, man, I wish I had found you 10 years sooner, 5 years sooner, 20 years sooner. And I understand completely. I'm hoping that you're hearing that because maybe you're going for broke right now. Maybe you are at that point where you have to make that decision. Do I stay as a single man operation? Do I go to a multi-inspection firm? Do I try to make it profitable and run on its own? And unless you have, unless you know the systems to put in place and um, the people to put in place to manage those systems and have the resources behind it, you're going to be, you're really going to be up against the wall. And if 
anything happens to you, or maybe it's your spouse. Like in my case, if you go back to some of the previous podcasts, um, I was in the hospital for just two weeks with my wife, and uh, my business tried to fall apart. Now, fortunately, I was able to, after the two weeks, get back in there and fix stuff. And I was able to find this book and understand how to fix it, okay? And then the third part, and this may be the saddest one of all, okay? And that is that they're just hanging in there. And honestly, I'm going to tell you, this described me at the point that I found this book. The most tragic possibility for all uh, of an adolescent business is that it just stays in business, okay? It actually survives, all right? So you're an incredibly strong-willed, stubborn, single-minded son of a gun who's determined not to be beaten. That was me, all right? Um, You go into business every morning with a vengeance, absolutely convinced it's a jungle out there. I used to use that term. It's a jungle out there, okay? And fully committed to doing what's ever necessary that day to make sure that the business survived, maybe even move forward, okay? And you do survive kicking and scratching, beating up your people, your customers, ranting, raving at families and friends, because after all, you've got to keep the business going. And if you don't keep it going, nobody will. This is a real shame of this. And you know, one, you only know one way to do that, unfortunately, and that is you must be there all the time, all the time. Okay. And finally, your business doesn't explode. You do. That was me. All right. And um, and if you're not careful, not only do you explode, but your business explodes. Both explode. All right. So beware burnout. It is real. Um, and uh, the only encouragement I have is that most of the successful people I know, Walt Disney included, have gone through a series of burnout. And I have done some studying on it. Uh, And I have never hit it as hard as most of those people where they have to be carried off on a stretcher or or put away in a room for a while or or go take three months of vacation and then come back. Okay, I've never hit it that hard, but I have felt that overwhelm. I have felt that burnout. I have felt that just why, what what are we going to run into today type of scenario. So this is the condition of 99% of the businesses that uh, they visited when they were writing this over the past 10 years, a condition of rampant confusion and tragically wasted lives. So those are your three choices, unless you want to build it right. And why do people feel like they can do it themselves when other people have already been successful, already been before them, already understood how it's supposed to be done? I love my dad, uh, and one of my famous things about my dad, he would say, is we could do it better. Absolutely. Absolutely. We could do it better. But here's what I have found. This is very important. If you get anything out of today's message, it might be this. First, first, you copy what they're doing. You copy exactly what they're doing. And then maybe down the road, you decide to um, improve it. Okay. Now there's a three part to that, and I'll probably go look it up and go through it with you at some part. But when people say, oh, the big bang marketing, Mike, I understand that, but I changed this and this. And I go, why would you change those things? They were important. Oh, well, it's still working. Yeah, it probably is still working. 
But why would you change it? Do it exactly the way we tell you to do it. Build the systems properly the first time, and then maybe you won't have to rebuild them. I'll give you a perfect example. In the world right now, there are people still asking in the home inspection business, can I do this on 1099s or should my inspectors and people be employees? Are you kidding me? We answered that question 20 years ago, 20 years ago, but it's still being asked in the industry out there today. And I will tell you, one of the most successful guys I know, all right, within the last year, decided, oh, you know what? 1099s are not very good. I'm going to go ahead and go to employees. And it's because, you know, finally, you know, he woke up one day and realized it was a mistake. Now, there are ways around it, and you can convince yourself there are ways around it until it catches up with you. And then you find out that all of those ways just kind of like evaporate. And so you need to be very, very careful. You need to know that there are proper ways to build a proper business, a successful business. And so let's be very careful about that. All right, so we're getting ready to go into uh, uh, the next podcast. We're going to go into chapter six, which is the maturity, and then taking a look at things from the entrepreneurial perspective, all right? Now, as I mentioned, I was the manager. My dad was the entrepreneur. I eventually learned to be the entrepreneur uh, in the business, and I still am to this day, uh, because without that, the business has very little chance of growing, which is why we're going to cover it this next uh, uh, next podcast. And I want to make sure that you see it, you hear it, uh, and that you understand how important it is for that as well. Uh, and there's a lot of important things you do when you understand that the entrepreneur is an incredibly important part of that. In the meantime, let me say this. It's always easier when you go find other people that are getting it done and getting it done right. So be successful and be around those that are successful. It will make everything so much easier, so much more simple uh, for you to be able to uh, get where you want to go faster. Don't be the guy that has to create the will. Go take the will somebody else has created and put it on your vehicle. And if you don't know, the will was created the tire was created long before the car was. They just took that and took it off another process and put it onto the car. In fact, most of the parts of the car had already long been created. What somebody did was put all of those pieces together. Let's take all those pieces and put them together for your business. Systems first, then the people to run the systems, and then the resources to support that. Well, this is Mike Crow, and I look forward to talking with you on the next podcast. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. And as a friendly reminder, if you're looking to increase your sales, improve your cash flow, and boost your bottom line as a home inspector, go to microreturns.com right now.